Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. So this is episode 47 of the Leadership Insurance Podcast. Um, this is one I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, speaking to Jeff from Accelerant. Um, Jeff's a super engaging guest, as you will hear, um, really enthusiastic about just business in general, but particularly, you know, the, the business that he's built at Accelerant and they're building at Accelerant. You know, we cover lots of things. We talk about long-term thinking. We talk about values. We talk about customer centricity. Um, and obviously, we focused on on, on this MGA structure. Um, Jeff's got some really interesting things to say about what's important in a successful MGA. But he's very clear to say that what's successful for Accelerant doesn't necessarily mean it's the only method or the correct method. It's just the method that's working for them. Um, I really wanted to talk to him about long-term thinking. They've, they've obviously made a commitment to longer-term capacity provision, and I thought that was a really interesting thing to dive into. So we cover loads of ground. Jeff's a great guest. Thank you so much to Jeff for being on the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Jeff from Accelerant. Jeff, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank Good. you, Alex. I hope you, I hope you are the same. Yeah, well, I could be miserable and British and moan about the weather, but I'm going to try and avoid that. Uh, I've had that in conversation all day, but yeah, I... Uh, I've, I've actually followed Accelerant for a little while, so I know the business relatively well and, and spoken to a few guys in the, in, in the US and the UK. But for those of the people out there that have been hiding under a rock and don't know what you guys have been up to, um, it'd be lovely if you could give us the kind of short overview of, uh, of the Accelerant business. Sure, of course. Um, well, first of all, uh, it's not much of a rock. Uh, we're, we're a relatively new, relatively small company. We started in 2019. Uh, we started in the UK and in the European Union um, and have now expanded into the US. And uh, our, our business is relatively simple, which is uh, we try and find uh, a relatively small group of, uh, of MGAs or program administrators that we're really, really excited about supporting. And we just back them to the hill with what we call supportive capacity, which tries to address all the problems and frustrations that we've heard from MGAs uh, over our entire career. Um, so we're very focused on that one distribution avenue, mm -hmm. that one distribution source. And we think we've learned uh, over the years how to support those, those organizations uh, really quite well. At least we hope our, 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 our members, we call our customers members, mm -hmm. at least we, are told that our members think we take good care of them, which is great. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you, thank you. And and that's uh, I I think the, the distribution model is really interesting. And and I I really like the MJ model, MGU model. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, I think that kind of 
it lends itself to something that I'm attracted to because I think it allows you to do that and the flexibility. Um, not always had the kind of best branding, but particularly in the UK. And, and, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. The sort of MGA, MGU model is, is much more embraced in the US. It's kind of a little bit more celebrated. Um, well, I mean, interesting to see if you think that's true or not. It might not be. Um, um, here, here is what I've observed. Uh, as you can tell by my accent, I grew up in America, but uh, have spent uh, a lot of time working in either Bermuda, London, and, or Europe. And um, <clears throat> I guess what the way I would describe it as is the UK and certainly Europe have been slower to develop to the MGA model. Mm -hmm. um, and, but, rather, but, as the MGA model has, has become more and more significant, sort of the, uh, the, the, the tarnish, the tarnish of, uh, of the MGA label, I believe is going away, mm -hmm. uh, is going away over time. Now, now clearly, um, under the heading, takes one to no one, <laughs> When I, when I ran Syndicate 1200 uh, at Lloyd's and we had disappointing outcomes at, in part because of delegated authority, I will guarantee you that I, as well as all of my colleagues uh, and all of my competitors would always blame the delegated authority um, uh, for being the primary cause of the disappointing outcomes because of course it's, it's sort of human nature, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I wonder, I wonder if the MGA market at times isn't a little bit of a scapegoat because uh, it's always easier to, to point your finger at someone other than the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that lends itself as well? Because obviously I work in the recruitment world um, and it's, it's usually, it's a lot of people's kind of like third choice. They're like, they might want to work at Lloyd's and they might want to work at a sort of traditional carrier and then they might go, oh, I might do an MGA if, if that doesn't work out. That, that was often the thing. Um, not always the case at all. You know, I love getting entrepreneur or underwriters come to me and say, I want to do an MGA, can you help? And can you make some introductions? And I do. Um, but a little bit of that is tied up in the, people know how, how legitimately difficult it is to go out, raise capacity, get an MGA off the ground. But they also know if you do it really, really well, the reward is there. So I think some of that's kind of defensive discussion to say, oh, it's, it's, the, it's not third, it's just it's the hardest thing to do. And you know the rewards are there. So there's this sort of tinge of kind of, if you accept that it's possible, um, you're kind of saying that you can't do it. But it's easier to say, oh, I don't want to do it than I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> it's a little bit of that, right? A, a little bit of that, of that psychology. Um, I, I'm often accused of using some sort of description, like um, we all sort of learned everything we need for work by the time we were eight years old, you know, blaming other people and, yeah. and, and yeah. <laughs> the grass is always greener, et cetera. You know, Alex, I don't know. I think what, what you just brought up is really interesting. And I don't know if your podcast is the right spot to put in, uh, to give you an assignment, but here's what I'd say, Alex. At, at Accelerant, we think we've really, cracked that nut. We have a path for talented underwriters and their teams to join us, become an MGA in a really, really low risk way. Um, 
where essentially accelerant acts as the safety net um, and takes away all that, frankly, terrifying, the terrifying bit about can I can I find capacity? Can I keep capacity? Who's gonna Who's gonna fund the startup uh, capital? We take care. We take care of all those things. So, um, as you meet uh, exciting, ex exciting underwriters, underwriters or underwriting teams, what whatever classes of business they are, uh, please have uh, please please have them get in touch because uh, we're down to about six weeks to set you up. Wow. Yeah, that's fast. I mean, um, one, one, I've got this recorded now, so that's, that's my uh, legal claim for a fee. Um, <laughs> but you're, no, you're engaged, Alex. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I've never been engaged on the podcast. This is exciting. Right. I do think there's something in your model that, that I was really drawn to, and, and that's particularly this longer-term capacity commitment that you make. Um, and I, I think I'm right in saying it's, it's sort of the general, generally it's a five-year deal. Is that is that how you? That's do right. It? That's right. And uh, we'd sign a 50-year deal too. Uh, so Alex, here's what here's what doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, when we sit down with a member, the the people, the MGAs that we're lucky enough to do business with, we call them members to help remind us about we're here to serve them. Right? We'll be successful if and only if they are successful. So all 150 of, uh, of us at Accelerant are just devoted towards making those 55 members as successful as we can possibly make them or help make them. So I, the long-term long commitment does make a, a turn a lot of heads and raise a lot of eyebrows. Um, but think how simple it is. We've done a great deal of due diligence um, uh, checking you out, Alex, and we found that you're our kind of person, most importantly, right? Uh, you, you value long-term relationships over the quick buck. Um, you, you take pride in what you do. You treat your colleagues with respect and you behave appropriately in other aspects of your life, mostly anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you want a long-term partnership with us. Why wouldn't we, after all that work and effort, want a long-term partnership? Mm -hmm. And the other nice thing is we've all been underwriters, right? Um, if you want to make yourself feel better, look up PX Re, the company that I ran during Katrina, Rita, and Wilma. I've never had an MGA put in an underwriting loss as big as that. Um, <laughs> so so I, I guess my point is uh, an underwriting loss can happen to anyone at any time. Mm. And mm. the question is, were you unlucky or were you in a bad spot in the market or did you do something structurally wrong? Yeah. And the folks that we partner with, the members, rarely do something structurally wrong. And if they do, hey, you know what? We were part of this, too, on the portfolio of modeling. We didn't do our job. Mm. Um, Alex, all this stuff is, is um, facilitated, made possible by you know, this technology-fueled, data-driven platform that we have underneath us, which none of this would be possible, right? Yeah. I, I couldn't sit and say to the members or tell you that I say to, that we say to our members, you just worry about your underwriting, we're going to be portfolio underwriters. The reason we can do that is because for the first time, at least in my career, I know about those policies as they're going down, right? Mm -hmm. I knew about the escape of water surge. And when I say I, I should just keep saying we. Um, we knew about the surge in escape of water claims in the UK within 
15 days of the lockdowns ending. I mean, it's a different world. Mm. Everywhere I would ever worked before in the past, I would have found out three years from now when I said, well, what happened in 01 or 21? And yeah. uh, some actuary would tell me, oh, it was a weird escape of water surge. Yeah. So yeah, the data, the data and the technology, the technology that moves the data around, but the data is the key, is what allows our business model to exist. Mm. And I suppose as, as well, I was just thinking about it from if you look at capacity provision as a as a as an investment form, it's like multi-stage investing. If you if you've done the due diligence and it was good at C, it's probably good at series A. And if it's still doing it's good at series B, you wouldn't want to be out of any of those rounds. You want to keep being in. Um, and and the other thing is that the the 12 month cycle, you put yourself at risk of someone maybe finding alternative capacity and you you suck up the bad year. <laughs> and then but yeah um uh, it, it, it's funny you say that uh one of my responsibilities with many other people was helping to buy uh reinsurance for argo uh for for a number of years and um <clears throat> we won't go into names but uh, what i found amazing is that uh the uh the reinsurers that were most profitable in their relationship with argo and I think this holds true of others. It's not just Argo specific. Um, the reinsurers that were the most successful were the ones that wrote across the board, across the whole portfolio. And where you picked and chose and selected, um, quite often you, you picked wrong. Um, uh, my old man once told me that he had a lot more faith in diversification than he did in my judgment. So um, I, <laughs> I, think, I think he was, uh, he was saying what you were just saying now. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? There's two things on that is that I think it's easier to be, it's like betting on the S&P to go up, right? That's, a, that's an easier bet to make than most, you know, targeted investments. And, and also the five-year deal, it's a lot easier to be right over five years. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and, uh, and then you think about it because we think about it as a portfolio, right? We don't think about it as a member by member by member. So we sell about 170 products in about 29 countries. Um, and that's a really, really diversified portfolio. The point being, any particular member can be as unlucky as he or she wishes. Yeah. And it's not going to move the portfolio loss ratio all that much. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the way I'd want to operate if I, were, if I were a member, right? I'd want to know that I had independence and confidence and the responsibility and authority to, to execute my business strategy. And I'd love to know that that was in the context of a much, much bigger portfolio that was really, really well diversified, backed by a ton of capital. Perfect. Mm. 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 Yeah, I completely, I, I've always found it, the this, this short-termism, and I was gonna ask you about short-termism in insurance. Um, it's, it's a, I mean, arguably it's a thousands, thousands of years old insurance, but let's say it's hundreds of years old. There was some debate. I thought it was hundreds. And then uh, George Beatty from Beasley came on and started talking about some ancient form of insurance, which blew me away. Um, yeah. So hazard is apparently from the Arabic hazar, which uh, they, they um, I, I'm not sure if this is the same thing you're talking about, but I've read that that was the first instance of a, a voyage, um, olive oil, if I'm not mistaken, uh, olive oil being insured against loss. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it wasn't quite the same example, but it again lends itself to being, you know, incredibly old. So for an incredibly old industry, um, right. do you think that we, we suffer from quite a short-term view? Generally, as an industry, it's, it's, it's more of a short-term view? Um, uh, I think so. I think so. Um, I, so the question is why, right? right? If, we all agree, if we all agree that that's in fact the case, then I think the question is why. And I'm not going to come up with some, I don't think, some blinding insight. Rather, rather what I'm going to do is repeat things that I've seen happen over 35 years and working. And um, there's a dynamic. There's a dynamic in the underwriting um, culture, I would say. Everywhere I've worked, there's a dynamic in the underwriting culture that the um, that the true test of womanhood or manhood is the, the, the declination or coming off, right? You hear about it all the time. They cut the rate, I came off, or they didn't increase the rate enough, I came off. And that, that's, that's sort of viewed as the ultimate, um, the ultimate act of uh, uh, toughness, right? Um, I sound a bit like a marriage counselor, but I'm going to make the argument that it's actually much harder, uh, it's much tougher to stick with those valuable relationships and fix whatever went wrong. Um, that, I think that's much harder. And we think it's way more positive. Um, I have to tell you that not all of our members, but many of our members have stubbed their toe at some point. Yeah. And um, it's an overused expression, but uh, if you throw if you throw those babies out with the bathwater all the time, you're two things, right? Uh, your entire portfolio is new business every year, right? Um, that's first thing. Second thing is you've trained your MGA customers because I think they are customers. You've trained your MGA customers um, to behave towards you exactly the way you don't want them to, but exactly the way you treat them. So what do you do? You compete against them. You don't give them the loss information because you can't because your legacy tech is so crappy or else you won't because you don't want them to know that they're making money. So you try and be unfair. You try and be opaque. And to, in a lot of ways, I don't think I'm talking about anything other than how customer um, uh, customer business relationships have been changing over the past 30 years and bravo, right? Yeah. Tran what it, was it? Fairness, transparency, openness, efficiency. Uh, yeah. That's what we're going for. I, I don't want an informational edge mm. over, over our members or, or our reinsurers. Mm. I, I want to share, we share everything on the platform is available to, to both sides of the platform because long-term we're going to build the best business together. Mm -hmm. with everyone having access to the same and all available information. Mm. I, th I think I think that's an incredibly important point in that, you know, sticking the course as well, those longer-term relationships, but clarity. We're seeing that with a lot of the insure techs that are coming out. A lot of that is giving people ownership of their data, more clarity around what's happening, simplification of processes, you know, as a, as a consumer of insurance. Um, but I also think, you know, one of the things that I see is that is it, it's quite difficult for a publicly traded company to think on a long enough term to, to drive true innovation, for example. So it's very difficult to turn around to your shareholders and go, I'm going to make this investment. 
it's huge. It'll pay off in 20 years when you might not hold this stock. I think that's, I think that's a harder message to put across. Um, and with, with senior leadership cycles being as short as they quite often are in those companies as well, I think that's challenging. Um, so I, I just think those, that all of those elements coming together lends itself to quite a short-term environment. Um, and that's, it's a huge sweep. Sounds like bad. I, yeah, I have to say, it sounds like a pretty bad job. <laughs> yeah. No, really. What would you just, if, if, you've, if you've got a job where your bosses, shareholders, directors, if you've got a job where your bosses don't want to do the right thing for the company, right thing for the business and your customers and your employees, I'm sure it pays well, but, it, it, but it's short, right? Yeah. And to your point, uh, um, I would say it's your setting that 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 uh, scenario you just painted. Um, again, you might have a fancy title and and you might get on podcasts, but you've got just as bad a job as anyone working for a substandard company. It's, and it's not it's going to end in tears and it's going to end relatively quickly. Uh, mm. I would guess. Mm. So, um, what what the team at Accelerant does. Uh, so we wake up every morning and we say, what can I do today to make our members as successful as they possibly can be in 2026? We just add five years to whatever. Um, and it's amazing how that changes your answers, right? Um, if, you, if you say, I want our members to be as successful as they can be five years from now in 2026, you do a lot of things differently. Right. Mm. Um, but boy, you overinvest time because um, I think that's more important than money. But you overinvest time in development. So we spend an awful lot of time with our members talking about, OK, what's next? You know, you're, you're pretty good at this. You're, you're grinding it out. Um, what are you going to do from an adjacency standpoint? What do you want to do from a, perhaps a geographic standpoint? You know, how do we keep the momentum growing? Mm -hmm. um, for, the, for the good of, of all of us, of the entire system. Mm -hmm. um, so, Alex, I, you know, we're, we're obviously uh, a private company, and boy, long may it continue. Um, I would hope, but we'll never know uh, until, until we actually see it. I would hope that uh, I and the rest of Accelerant would, uh, would have the strength of convictions to behave that way, no matter how we are old. Mm hmm yeah well I, I think that's yeah that's always the hope and I, I think that's yeah it does I think it helps to have come from a place I, I do I do think there's something a little bit generally negative about the political behavior of running massive corporates um but that's not me sitting here in my little two-man business and gonna turn around and tell say I know how to run it better I'm, I, I just think there's something inherent in the way that you have to run a lot of these organizations it makes it quite difficult so um but um, I wanted to ask you something you mentioned earlier about your, your technology platform. Uh, so Insightful, I, I believe it's called. You built your own software. Um, why did you... Yeah, that's right. Why did you, why did you build it rather than buy it? The, 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 there's obviously a lot of options out there. Um, and, and, and would you make the same decision again? Because it's sort of probably come on a few way. Yeah. Um, I, boy, I would, we would have loved to have bought it. Right. Um, I don't think it's available. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's available. Um, 
we had to build it. Um, and just to be clear, we're not inventing technology at Accelerant, right? We're taking really modern cutting edge tools that other people have developed, mostly around data and analytics, right? Um, and we're applying them to the challenges that our members, uh, that our members face. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, I, I don't mean to minimize it, but the way I would describe Insightful is Insightful does the job that you would do if you could afford the time to sit there and look at UK SME uh, loss cause emergence over the past five months. And the point is you, you could do that really, really effectively. And arguably maybe I'd be okay at it. And you know what, both of us could also switch to say, um, what producers submissions have the most value in terms of how many bind and at what effective rate level and what implied profit. We, we could do that. We could, we'd argue about the spreadsheet, but you and I can both do that. And I'm gonna do one more example and I'll stop belaboring the point. Um, you and I could look at, you and I could look at data quality coming from a particular member MGA and evaluate why is the data quality particularly good or particularly bad. But the point is, we can't do it all for mm -hmm. 170, whatever it is, 175 products in 20 something countries. We just can't do it week by week by week. And man, the computer can. <laughs> Everyone gets mad when I call it the computer, like it's a thing. Um, but um, uh, maybe they don't get mad. They just think I sound silly, which is fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, but what Insightful does is Insightful is sort of the disapproving governess looking over your shoulder all the time saying, oh, this seems odd. Were you expecting this outcome? And what I would say is our problems, Accelerant's problems uh, with, with our members uh, are normally sort of annoyances or inconveniences because we catch them in the first month. Mm -hmm. right? It's pretty hard for something to be a problem in 60 days, right? It's, yeah. it's something that you just have to go fix. And I, I guess what I would say is, as a result, we, with our members, just have such a, a, so much fuller understanding of how the portfolio is behaving and why in a granular way. Uh, quite often, we don't know why, but we know um, behavior at a pretty granular level to the point where you ask the question, you apply the human judgment, and it really pays off. It really pays off so far. Um, we've been incredibly impressed with the loss ratio that our members have put together as a portfolio. Incredibly impressed. Mm. Do you, um, thinking about your members and thinking about them as, as, as particularly as customers, which I think is absolutely the right way to do it, and do you, is there any uh, continuous development? Do you get those them involved in like the product development of the of the software? Is is that part of the process? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I was just I told you I, I was traveling, which is new enough that I felt I should mention it. Um, and what I was traveling to and from was an internal discussion about how exactly do we create as uh, as the vaccines seem to be taking hold. Uh, how exactly do we create essentially a member user board that directs what they feel like which utility or functionality would be most valuable 
for them. Mm -hmm. um, Alex, there's one cautionary tale though. And I love this quote, um, Henry Ford, you know, the guy who made the, the first commercially viable automobile. You, you know what I'm going to say, right? I, I hope so, but it'll sound better than you saying it. <laughs> uh, if, if I had asked them what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, it, right? Yeah, indeed. Um, and what, what we do to ourselves at Accelerant um, is what we sort of like to do to our members, which is uh, while, while a bunch of old experienced uh, men and women uh, talk about this stuff that they want to see because that's what they're used to caring about. We've got a cadre of data scientists that are asking questions that are very, very different than we would think to ask. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a teaser. Um, you know, uh, does it matter that the address of the owner of a takeaway restaurant is the same as the address of the takeaway restaurant? Um, Spoiler alert, boy, it does matter a great deal, apparently, right? Uh, you're much more careful if your kids are asleep upstairs, it turns yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I would, it makes sense now. I don't know if I would have found that or I would have yeah. ever thought of that. So we, we try and do the same thing with the members, which is uh, listen to what they think they want and also shove from a different perspective, shove ideas down. And, uh, you know, new ideas are like most things. Uh, some, are, some are okay. Many of them just don't work, but some are genius, brilliant. Mm. Yeah, it's it's that, isn't it? That's that's as much the skill about working with data as you know, producing data for data data's sake is is no good. Looking for you can look for patterns and, and address them, but that combination of skilled underwriting talent and richer data is is it, it's not just where we're going it's what we've always been trying to do but just this, the tools are there for us to kind of just add to that as we go forward yeah we used to do it in our heads mm. we used to do it in our heads um i remember when i was a kid uh, uh broking to tony holt and uh it was a little bit terrifying you'd be in there with the hartford cap program and without looking, he was drawing comparisons to pricing and exposure of the St. Paul cap program. And it was ugh, I know, one of the many things that made him as, as successful as he was. Um, but, you know, there aren't enough of those brains. And even if there were enough, there's, uh, you know, it doesn't scale. Uh, it doesn't scale like silicone. Uh, so I think that's what we're sort of trying to replicate. The other really important thing is something that uh, Heather Wentworth, our chief data officer, talks about all the time. And she says, the real value in data is connecting it, making connections. So connected data or connected accelerant is where the real value or maybe the real magic occurs. Because um, in and of itself, uh, data elements can drive you towards relatively pedestrian. They might be important, but relatively pedestrian improvements. When you start connecting them, that's when you come up with sort of unexpected insights. Yeah, 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 yeah. That connection is yeah is where the value is. I um I, I wanted to kind of uh, sort of skip forward a bit to the relationship you have with the members and and you know something we talk about. Um, we've talked about the MGA model a few times on the podcast. We've had a, we had Joel who runs a really good MGA. Um, what makes a good MGA in, in your in your kind of opinion? Uh, I can only answer what makes a good 
member MGA for Accelerant, right? Sure. Because there are many successful MGAs that um, probably wouldn't want to be and probably we don't think would be a great member for us. So sure. um, we have the most success um, with members that are uh, underwriting driven. That's the first thing. Second thing is relatively committed to a relatively narrow uh, type of business or is a series of narrow types of business. And the, the importance there is a, a lot of bit of experience and a lot of bit of customer centricity, right? You get two things from that. Mm -hmm. um, boy, the, the best MGAs in the world, you know from talking to them, Alex, they do anything for their distribution, right? They move heaven and earth. And you just think of the big, the big composites, you know, three days to return a phone call with a, uh, on, a, uh, on a submission. Hell, if you can get a phone call, you normally would get an email, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the levels of service and their level of understanding and commitment to their market niches, their, their customers are, are really incredibly valuable to us. So underwriting driven, relatively focused. Um, I'd love to not mention track record, but geez, it makes life so much easier if you've been doing it for a while successfully. Doesn't mean we need it. We try and be open-minded um, and we try and recall that, you know, Accelerant didn't have a track record in 2018. Um, and uh, our partners partnered with us um, despite that. And we try and keep that in the forefront of our mind. Mm -hmm. um, uh, commercial business, we do much better on than, than personal business. It's not an all or nothing thing, but we do much better. Uh, we do much better um, in small to medium size insurance rather than the bigger insurance. Mm -hmm. And the last thing is, uh, and maybe it should have been the first thing, the attitude and the approach, right? D Accelerant is not going to pay you the highest commission. Accelerant's not going to pay you the highest commission you could get. I will tell you that over the course of three to five years, I'll, I'll virtually guarantee you that Accelerant will end you up with more profits from a long-term and a long-term profitable business than any other partnership. Mm -hmm. um, but you're not going to get that extra two points probably out of us. Right. Uh, what you what you do get is product development support, portfolio underwriting support, uh, investment capital, if that's what you want or need. You get a lot of other things. But what you don't get is the two points of extra commission to boast about in the land. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. And that is that is the important part of the equation. How much? Well, what I always what I always say what I say to the members after a little bit of a debate. Not too many of them are London based, but the ones that are London based is I go through that impassioned argument about we're building a long term business or helping you build a long term business, and then I point out to them you can just go to the lamb and say you got thirty two anyway. No one's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I always think the best thing I could have done for my recruitment business is try and buy the lamb. Um, there must be. <laughs> you would have been very focused on a certain set of syndicates, but yeah, yeah true, true, yeah. true. A similar, similar group of people. Very small talent pool. Um, exactly. Probably make more money anyway, just selling beer in there. Um, I, I, taking it onto the kind of insure tech space because there's a lot of what we focus on, and a lot of the MGAs and MGUs I, I deal with now are, are very much. Uh, seen as, uh, as, as insure techs mm -hmm. and 
most of them are taking the MGA, MGU um, as part of their journey onto, they want the destination to be a full, full stack carrier. Right. Uh, you know why? Because they can't find an insurer that's worth a damn. <laughs> I was going to say, are they missing a trick? I was like, yeah, absolutely. They're not. No. Uh, uh, as we, we've, uh, we've been uh, fortunate enough um, to, to attract four, I guess, four uh, members that I would call real insure techs or, or um, digital first type businesses. Mm -hmm. And um, in each case, we've had a, a gentle person's bet because um, you can't say gentlemen because they weren't all men. A gentle person's bet uh, that I could convince them that going full stack wasn't worth it. So uh, the reason the reason many of them go full stack is is two. One one is one is absolutely true and operational, and one's a little cynical. Uh, the first sort of operational true one is, you know, if you can find a fronting company that does a good job, I, God bless you, because most people can't. Um, it's not really in our business, but I don't think I, we could, or I certainly couldn't. Um, there's a great story about a uh, composite company who was trying to modernize itself, right? And it knew it couldn't really turn over the, the mothership. So what it was going to do, does this sound familiar? What it was going to do is make investments in these new insure techs and support them and go inside out, modernize itself inside out. Mm -hmm. So they started supporting this brand new insure tech that they invested in. Um, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, ins the insure tech said, um, we, we need to be nimble, right? Nimble, react very quickly to what we're seeing uh, in the market, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the, the, the uh, composite company nods and says, all right, we're going to give you double the actuarial support of any of our business units which means you can change your algorithm not once a year, but twice a year. <laughs> it's true. That's a true statement. Um, That's amazing. It's, it's kind of like, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, what we say to our InsureTech members and the InsureTechs out there that aren't members yet, um, if you think it's really important to make an underwriting profit, uh, or else you, uh, you're of the view that you're not building much of anything. Um, so if you view making an underwriting profit is really important, come call us. Uh, we'll partner with you and we'll get you started faster than you can possibly imagine. And you can change your algorithm as many times as you want. We, we won't get in your way. Um, and in fact, we're set up to be as nimble, as fast, perhaps a little faster than most of you. Mm -hmm. And um, Right now, Accelerant has the, uh, the distinct pleasure of responding or being responsible to 63 regulators. And as I say to all my insure tech friends, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, why in the world would we both do that? <laughs> maybe that's another, maybe that's a better question. It do, that doesn't seem to make any sense. I, I, it's always that thing of like it's 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 control of their product is the thing that they usually seem to, like creative control of the product and and the nimbleness is is the the, the key sort of driver responses that I get. Um, we can't control the product. We want to control the product. Um, but I suppose what do they that mean by that? Do you think? What do you mean? What do they mean by control the product? Do you think? Probably the speed to change it. You know, we we've created. 
you know, we've created some terms and, and this is what it is and we've had these signed off and then we can't, we can't get the response quick enough. But yeah. maybe that's because, you know, it's a little bit about the, the magic of how you've set Accelerant up, that this is going to be your distribution model. So therefore it's all about serving the members. Whereas every other carrier, it's, it's essentially a division of, it's, a, it's an add-on, it's a kind of, it's some yeah. value add at the end of the year. It's it's kind of the the joint venture section, right? And if you think about it, every joint venture is absolutely hated internally. Um, you know, no, honestly, it's true, right? If you look to the oil and gas companies, I'm sitting talking to you in Texas. The oil and gas companies they have their main business and they have their JV business, and everyone in the main business hates everyone in the JV business. It's just it's just the way it is, right? It's us versus them. Um, so here was the magic, and I wish I could tell you that I came up with it, but uh, actually uh, it was pointed out to us, um, us being Chris Lee Smith and I, uh, co-founders. We were at uh, Harvard Business School um, being getting some executive training, and uh, the professor um, pointed out that in really, really complex relationships between uh, customer and uh, customer and supplier, in really, really complex relationships, companies for their own efficiency like to match up by function. So underwriters would talk to underwriters, accountants would talk to accountants, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what they found was doing that, no one had an overall sense of the, the health of the relationship. So what they needed was a manager of that relationship. So each of our, each of our members has a member manager I don't think that's quite their title, but that's what I think of them as. Yeah. Uh, a member manager that is the CEO of Accelerant for that member. So when the member manager calls me and says, you're going to Greece, I go to Greece, right? When the member manager calls Frank and says, I know it's a long weekend, but we need a, we need a new product up in the next four, five days. Frank and his team responds, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, I guess what I'd say with a bit, a bit of pride, because it's not me, it's the Accelerant team. So I don't, I'm not bragging at all. I'm patting them on the back. They really walk the talk. And, uh, and they, uh, those member managers are the heart and soul of the business because customers are the heart and soul of the business. Mm -hmm. well, what you're talking about there as well is just, is just dis genuine distributed authority and autonomy. Yeah, so well, you hire a bunch of experts. Um, you don't have any pyramids. I, I'm not going to tell you how many direct reports I have, Alex, but suffice it to say, we don't build many pyramids at Accelerant. Um, you, hire, you hire expert people, you give them authority, and you tell them that the first and most important customer to our business is the regulator. Um, we have very limited uh, appetite for regulatory risk. Mm -hmm. Once you, once you cross that hurdle, as long as you're doing the right thing for the member, we'll back you up. The organization will back you up, but for goodness sake, decide and get on with it. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's fascinating how often that's the thing that goes wrong. And, and um, you know, you t I read loads of business books, but even look, talking about sort of retail and successful retailers and, and the, the mark shift between this growing retailer where he just spent, I'm just going to give the authority of the people that work in the shop to make cash refunds up to value. And they were like, 
just the amount of time saved and all that thing really simple like really just simple things of going you deal with them every day you don't need to refer it to me to kind of authorize that the next the best thing to have happen is x because if you're telling me it's the best thing then it'll be the best thing um but aren't structured that way um i want to be respectful of your time and i'm really conscious that we're coming up to that kind of time that i said so but what i don't want to do is you know uh cut you off in your stride of telling me what's what's next what's next year looking like for you guys um, are there any kind of growth plans i know you sort of opened up in the us and europe is there is there more geographic spread coming is there any excitement i think so i think so uh it, it's public that we uh entered into an agreement to purchase a uh, canadian mm-hmm. insurance company subject to uh, regulatory approval which we at least are optimistic that that will receive by the end of the year um, so uh, if that goes well, from a geographic expansion perspective, we'll enter the Canadian market um, with the exact same approach, mm-hmm. uh, right? The member managers will lead the charge there, and we're all there to serve the, the member managers uh, as they serve the members. Um, so as I think of 22, 23, 24, um, I don't think in terms of geographic uh, expansion. What I think of is um, some careful growing of the number of members that we're fortunate enough to have in our network. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really important is growing those uh, growing those members' books of business. Yeah. Um, that's what's good for everyone. Yeah. Um, we're really proud of the fact that uh, our members, this is a pretty good statistic, our, our members in the first two years of Accelerant membership average growth is 19.6%. You take you take the two most senior people in the business and you tell them you don't have to worry about renewing your eight binders every year. Uh, you don't have to be in London four months a year trying to figure out how to get a lead for, you know, John who know, who's at a different uh, syndicate now. If you take all that away, boy, can those guys, those guys love their business. They're entrepreneurs, as you said, mm-hmm. and they do great things if you give them back their autonomy in time. Yeah. So uh, that's what, that uh, our accelerant story is going to be the story of our members. Um, and uh, we're going to do whatever we can to, uh, to allow their creativity and industriousness to shine through. So that, that's what will come from us over the next few, several years. Awesome. Jeff, that's a great way to, uh, to finish it off. So thank you so much for spending your time with me and I uh, appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. Not at all, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.